You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. I'm Sean Stevens, and today we're interviewing senior GP, GP educator and a mentor of mine from my GP training days, Dr Barry Fadovich. Welcome, Barry, to The Good GP. Uh, thanks, Sean. It's a privilege to be invited. Barry, tell us a little bit about yourself. What are your hobbies? What attracted you to being a GP? Okay. Um, in terms of uh, family background, my uh, parents are Croatian, so I'm a first-generation Australian, and um, I grew up speaking Croatian, uh, which has turned out to be very helpful. Uh, I'm a UWA graduate, um, grew up in the Fremantle area. Uh, I joined the family medicine program as it was uh, in those days, worked for a year in the country, worked for a year in Canada, and then came back and joined the Lockridge uh, general practice and um, uh, been working there ever since. Mm. I remember doing an attachment with you when I was a medical student many moons ago. <laughs> I think half of UWA went through that practice. Uh, uh, a, a fair number have, yes. Yeah, yeah. So Barry, you're passionate and committed to palliative care, particularly with Silver Chain uh, over many years. What attracted you to this area of medicine? Um, it seems to me that uh, palliative care is an extension of what good general practice ought to be and it contains the essence of general practice. And when I, when I was first went into general practice, uh, as I got to know my patients, looking after them, um, when they became palliative, it just didn't seem right to sort of drop them. And uh, I maintained my connection and then in subsequent years, uh, when Silver Chain was formed, uh, or the Silver Chain Palliative Care Service was formed, um, I uh, became more involved, uh, especially in the last sort of 10 to 15 years. Mm. Yeah, excellent. And it's a fantastic service, it really is. It's part of, as you say, that holistic general practice. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a terrific um, service. Um, 60 to 70% of patients in surveys say that they would prefer to die at home and while I don't know the exact numbers for Silver Chain, they get close to that. So, um, and I think people at the end of life aren't looking for technical hospital care. They want to be with their loved ones. They want to be in their familiar environment. So um, it's, a, it's a terrific area to be involved in. Yeah, oh, brilliant. So after... How many years is it now you've been in Silver, in silver Chain and Palliative Care? Um, about uh, 12, to 12 to 15 years. Uh, so after that 12 to 15 years in palliative care, what is it that keeps you engaged and enthused? Um, I, um, I work with a terrific bunch of people. The, the nurses are, are fantastic. Um, there's actually a team approach. So on the team, there is a counsellor, there's a chaplain, there's a social worker... Uh, there's a volunteers coordinator, um, so it, it's they're a good group of people. They meet on a weekly basis to discuss um, what's happening with patients, and um, so that's one side of it. The other side of it that appeals to me is um, there is something special about um, helping people when, um, in a sense, medical science notionally has given up. I say notionally because some of the patients will say to me, the oncologist or the surgeon or somebody said to them, there's nothing more we can do. 
and it may well be that there's nothing more that they can do but in fact um, with palliative care there is a lot that we can do to help make people's lives more comfortable and um, to help them with the process of coming to terms with the end of life. Because mm. mm. it is a very important part of life um, not just for the person who's dying but also for the family around them. Yeah, that's, that's another aspect that appeals to me is that um, so much of uh, what... I mean, there is the, there are the technical aspects of palliative care, symptom control, use of narcotics and a range of medication. However, um, communication skills, talking to the patient, talking to family and friends is absolutely essential. People have uh, huge... Uh, questions and worries about what's going on and just to be able to explain what's going on what we're going to do how things are going to develop uh, is very reassuring for people mm. and, and and as GPs that's our bread and butter so uh, I think that's why we're perfectly placed to do this sort of uh, stuff absolutely yeah. absolutely so Barry when we talk palliative care a lot of people think, oh, just providing opioids at the end of life or helping helping people in the terminal stages. Can you give us a definition of palliative care? Okay, let me. Uh, this is. Uh, uh, I'll, let me give you the the formal WHO definition and then kind of variations on that. So the WHO definition of palliative care is an approach that improves the quality of life of patients and their families facing the problems associated with life-threatening illness through the prevention and relief of suffering by means of early identification and impeccable assessment and treatment of pain and other problems, physical, psychosocial and spiritual. So that's the formal definition. Um, a kind of a less complex way of describing it is to walk with someone who is dying by listening carefully advocating appropriately, to, vo to avoid fixing and to help them live gracefully with the helplessness. Somewhat captured in the advice, don't just do something, stand there. <laughs> uh, and it's an extension of the biopsychosocial approach uh, described by George Engel and with the additional dimension that there's a spiritual dimension. Um, on a more... On a more um, um, a lyrical uh, description from Tim Winton in his novel Cloud Street he said through one of his characters the strong are here to help the weak and the weak are here to teach the strong so one of the wonderful things about palliative care is that it's, it's very much a two way process uh, in terms of um, what, we, what we learn from our patients quite apart from what we give to our patients mm -hmm. And that's true in all areas of general practice, but I think particularly so in palliative care. Yeah, uh, when people are confronted with ultimate realities, you know, um, the end of their lives, um, it is a um, profound and important area. Mm. Mm. A lot of people talk about that deathbed literature and, you know, what people say and wish, and, and it does give a lot of insight, I think, into how we should be living the rest of our life because a lot of common themes 
crop up? Uh, yeah, it's it's um, what happens is that people's priorities change, and they start to uh, think about what is it that really matters. And at the same time, it helps us ponder what matters for us as well. Um, but it's a, it's a huge privilege to be able to enter people's lives at this point and to be able to do something constructive for them. Mm. Yeah. So Barry, run us through a typical day as a silver chain palliative care GP. Okay, first of all, it's the, the silver chain work is uh, mixed with my GP work. My, my, I have a, 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 a number of sessions a week in the practice, about six, um, and I have a number of about three half days, four half days set aside for home visits. Um, and so the, um, uh, always the sickest patient is seen, is given the highest priority. So I'll do several home visits, uh, seeing people at home, um, one, I ring the patient to check that they're home, they've not got an outpatient appointment or that they've not had an acute admission to hospital, which happens from time to time. Um, I, uh, I'll get phone calls from nurses about patients and sometimes it's as simple as patients running out of their morphine, uh, sometimes it's uh, we're having trouble controlling this person's pain or, that have, or they've developed a new symptom, can you come and see the patient? Um, and then that also happens during my consulting time as well. So I'll get phone calls from the nurses. Um, and then to add another twist, we have an RMO on rotation from the hospital who does palliative care, and I'm responsible for teaching the RMO. So the, the RMO comes with me when I do the home visits. So it's an opportunity for a young doctor to actually see what happens in palliative care and seeing the other side of what happens in the community. Mm. Okay, yeah, very important part, training that next generation and, and exposing them to, to important areas of general practice. Yep. So finally, Barry, if one of the GPs out there expressed an interest in getting involved in palliative care, what would you tell them? Uh, look, it's, uh, it's just the most wonderful area of medicine in terms of professional satisfaction and the sense of being able to do something almost in the way that, that traditional doctors do, but with some of the modern... Um, uh, technology available but very much takes us back to the old-fashioned role of the GP as being a, a source of information, a support and a guide um, at an incredibly important transition in people's lives. Um, if, uh, if somebody's interested in being involved um, contact Silver Chain on 9242 uh, 028 Nine, and um, uh, ask for Angela McMahon. Um, she's the uh, sort of practice manager for the palliative care service, and she can uh, help provide some basic information. Um, it's um, Silver Chain provides in-service education. We actually get paid to attend lectures. We get paid to attend clinical meetings, and um, we. Um, uh, bulk bill our home visits mm. so the, the com and we get paid for being on call as well so on call is roughly once a month and it's um, Friday, Saturday Sunday, Monday mm. Okay and for our interstate listeners is Silver Chain a 
national organisation or who should they look to if um, they want to get involved? Okay, there are, there are branches of Silver Chain in South Australia and New South Wales. Um, I'm not sure what's happening in the other states, um, but um, uh, I mean, most states would have some form of palliative care service, although what Silver Chain in WA does is actually quite unique. Okay, well, that's good to know. Well, thanks very much for being part of the good GP, Barry. Keep fighting the good fight, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you next week. (laughs) Thank you, Sean.